0: We're prohibited by law See terms and conditions
1: 18+. Welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. I'm Antonia Blythe, Senior Awards Editor. My guest this week is Jenna Ortega. She first became known for her lead role in the CW series Jane the Virgin, and since then she starred in Disney show Stuck in the Middle and the Netflix series You and in the film The Fallout. Then she joined the Scream film franchise as Tara Carpenter. Right now, Ortega is the lead in Wednesday, the new Netflix offshoot about the Adams family. The series also stars Christina Ricci, who had previously played the Wednesday character as well. Coming up next, Ortega has the sixth installment in the Scream franchise, which will be out on March 10th next year. Jenna Ortega, welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here. Um I wanted to congratulate you for your role in the new Netflix show Wednesday. Um, it's been getting great reviews. It's so fun. Um I feel like you really transformed your entire physicality in some ways like you're you're kind of doing these like creepy little movements and it really feels like Wednesday. How did you do that like what was the process?
2: A lot of it was having conversation with tim early on i there was a take where i didn't blink and he decided that i would never blink again or blink as little as possible Uh, because i feel like I. I, you're talking
1: about tim burton correct yes
2: tim burton yeah i I feel like i've i feel as though my face isn't that intimidating naturally so i had to do things that made it look a bit off i i would relax all the muscles in my face and stare through the eyebrows like the kubrick stare i try to only give reactions Based through eyebrows which was really interesting for me as a challenge because I it's not natural and when I act I only ever want to be natural but to bring some sort of supernatural factor to this quality I, I or to this character I had to walk very still I had um, my posture is great after the show I could balance books on my head and you know things like that I a lot went into it
1: Um, when you say Tim Burton told you you could never blink again. How on earth do you do that?
2: <laughs> I took that very, very seriously. I was a bit annoying about it though. Sometimes I'd have to start to take over because if I did blink, it distracted me. So I think it got a, 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 it was a bit too in my head. But it was, it was hard when you were doing exterior shots when you're shooting in the Romanian winter and it's snowing and there's a blizzard and whatever. But for the most part, it, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. I've always been all right at staring contests. I think.
1: Did your eyeballs get really, really dry? so dry, so de and funny, yeah, I mean, how come you didn't end up with with like bright red eyes? You looked totally clear eyed throughout that.
2: Maybe I was. I don't know sometimes they would give me eye drops, or they would give me things like that. I think I think my hair and makeup artist Nirvana knew that it was a lot <laughs> What
1: was a really fun scene for you, um like a favorite?
2: Hmm, the fencing scene in the first episode was really fun for me. I really fell in love with fencing. I started practicing about two months before we started shooting, and had a really great sequence with a uh, Joy Sunday Bianca. And uh, it's the first time we see Wednesday lose, and I think it's a really pivotal moment. But also, I got to wear an all black fencing suit, and my hair <laughs> messed up. It just it was exciting. We filmed it on my. Yeah, it was it was just exciting.
1: I love that scene, yeah, because um. She goes, oh, well, we'll see who bleeds first or whatever. And, and then she, her whole demeanor changes when she loses. It's yeah. brilliant. Um, I personally love the Piranhas, but that's just me. Yeah,
2: Piranhas' <laughs> first day of shooting.
1: Really? Yeah, they were
2: pre-shoots. We didn't know that those were going to make it into the series. We thought that we were going to get to reshoot those. So I'm glad that those translated well or that they resonated with you because I was terrified after hearing that. it. Oh.
1: It was perfect. I loved it. Um, Of course, you have, you know, this incredible Scream franchise next installment situation coming up. Um, And, you know, the fandom around it is so huge. How does it feel having the support of the entire Scream fandom? Is it also kind of pressured for you or does it feel great? Like, how is that?
2: Yeah, the Scream fandom is really scary. And I mean that in the best way possible because something that I love about horror is you know when you work on horror sets, it's kind of a passion a passion project for everyone. Everyone is just so excited to be there and so excited to be involved in what we're doing. And, you know the scream, the scream fans, the scream community. They've been around for almost thirty years. You know they they hold reign and they know what they want. And yeah, when I first joined the franchise, I was really terrified because I kind of do a knockoff Casey Becker scene, and I feel like Drew Barrymore's take was, you know, one definitely one of the more pivotal moments in cinema. Uh, and it's written so beautifully by Kevin Williamson, uh, Williamson. I feel like as I continue to work on those films, I want to keep doing Woodsboro justice and, and ghost face justice. And I, it's a, yeah, I definitely put that pressure on myself. Mm. I had Melissa Barrera
1: on the podcast recently mm. too. Um, and we were talking about how the change of location, like it's moving to New York. Um, and I'm just really looking forward to seeing it in that setting. I think that's gonna be really different. How was the experience of, of moving it to the city?
2: It was great. We were shooting in Montreal and it was lovely. All the people there were really sweet. But it was a a lot just a lot more intense. Like I think we could feel the kind of larger budget or like, you know, little things like that. We were kind of joking around, like, oh, all right. So did we make it? Did we make it? Um <laughs> It, it was so much fun and it was great for me because in, in the fifth installment, I only ever really shot with Ghostface and I only was ever screaming and crying on the floor. So on the second one, I kind of had to interact with my other castmates and give her some sort of a personality. And that was really fun for me.
1: Sounds like it's going to be a good one. Can't wait. Um, and you have Miller's Girl um, coming up. Are you shooting that right now? No, I uh,
2: just, what I'm shooting right now, it actually hasn't been announced yet. So I don't know if I could say, but I shot shot Miller's Girl, we wrapped Miller's Girl uh, beginning of October. Oh, okay. So you just got done. With Martin Freeman and Gideon Adlon and yeah. What can you tell us about your role in that? I'm really curious to see how that one turns out, uh, just because it's probably the most complex character that I've ever played. And uh, the the material is is a bit risky, and I think that uh, it's the kind of film that motivates convers uh, motivates conversation and the uh, kind of forces dialect on a on a subject or topic that makes people very uncomfortable. And I think I always think it's interesting to do films that make people uncomfortable. So I, I um I don't know I I cared a lot about that one.
1: Interesting. Okay, and then this finest kind which you wrapped in the summer, right? Correct. And how was that experience?
2: Anna Kind was a really beautiful experience. The director had been holding on to that script for um a decade, maybe two. I, it it really meant a lot to him and it took place in his hometown and I I worked with people that I really admire. I, it was it was Ben Foster, Toby Wallace, Tommy Lee Jones. Um I feel like I learned a lot from them. And, and being on that set, i uh, it's a bit more of a drama as well. And I hadn't done, I was just fresh coming off of Wednesday. So it felt like something I needed to kind of be creatively fulfilled again. And I just feel very fortunate that it was that one.
1: Exciting. You've got so much going on. Um, all right, well, let's get into the 20 questions. Um, and I'm going to kick it off with what is your favorite thing about your current project and obviously if it's the one that you can't talk about choose Wednesday or whatever you want to talk about.
2: Um, I feel like I can talk about this one I think the most I'll say is I just I'm shooting with um, good friends of mine so I feel like it's always so nice when you get to go on a set and, and you're welcomed by familiar faces and people that you already know you work well with and uh, our director is really laid back and cool. It's, it's such an easy job. It's the first time I've been on a set in a while where we wrap our days early, which is insane because it's a little indie. It's, uh, yeah, it's been pretty good so far. Mm. Uh, when was the time where the idea of
1: acting as your kind of dream or what you were wanting to pursue really crystallized for you? Do you remember?
2: Yeah, it was when I was six years old. And I watched the film *Man on Fire* with Denzel Washington and Dakota Fanning with my older sister. She was much older than me. I'm not saying I should have been watching this movie, Um, but I, at that age, I wanted to be a lot of different things. I was just never satisfied. I had to be participating in everything, and I realized that if I were an actor, I would be able to get everything, or I would be able to be everything all at once. So I told my parents when they got home. I said, "All right, I'm gonna be the next Puerto Rican Dakota Fanning." And my parents just kind of laughed, and then I just never gave it up.
1: I love that the next Puerto Rican Dakota Fanning. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, who was an early childhood inspirational person in your life?
2: Mm, I feel like Gina Rodriguez was a big one, just because I I spent so much time on that set, and and she always went forget out of her way. Virgin. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. the Virgin, she always went out of her way to make me feel comfortable and and supportive and. And loved and I was 11 at the time and I was going back and forth from public school and I was just having a really hard time because I was leading two lives at once and it was, um, I don't know, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself but I feel like she was someone who always um, made me feel important or, or like I, I had a shot and I think that when you're working in an industry like this where you're getting more no's than yeses, and so many of the leading women that you would play the daughter of or younger version of, don't look like you, and are Caucasian, and you, know, you, you just don't look enough like someone. It, it was really, really frustrating. So I think, honestly, I could say anyone on that set, even Yvonne Cole, who plays uh, grandmother on that show, really, really supportive, um, beautiful Latin woman that, that made me feel strong. Mm. Great, yeah. Um, what were
1: the posters on your bedroom wall when you were little?
2: Hmm. I don't know. I th- I remember dressing up one of my first like honey wagons, and I think it was on the set of This Little Rascals movie. And I was told that oh, you guys should have so much fun and make it you feel your like your own. I feel like I just took a magazine that was on the counter at the time, and I ripped all the pages out, so it would be like chicharito, like some Mexican football player or soccer player, and then Selena Gomez. It made no sense at all. I also had a lot of owls everywhere. Owls were a really, really important spiritual animal in my family, so owls were everywhere.
1: Um, What do the owls represent for you in your family?
2: Uh, I had my tita who immigrated to the US and kind of gave her children this opportunity. it was just her favorite animal, and it was kind of like one of those good luck things where, you know, people say every time you see a hummingbird, it's someone that you love or a butterfly mm-hmm. thing. Good luck is coming. She believed and felt the same way about owls, so when she passed, she had collected all of these little owl statues and figurettes, and they're all in my house now, so I kind of grew up surrounded by them.
1: Oh, that's so nice.
2: Yeah. Um. What was the first movie you ever saw in the theater? I think it was... Shrek 2, which might be the best one in my personal opinion. I think, um, I sister, <laughs> yeah, it was my older sister's birthday party. Um, so yeah, Gingerbread Man singing I Need a Hero is like <laughs> ingrained <laughs> in my brain. There's nothing more important. I can't take it,
1: it's so good. Yeah, it was a wonderful experience. What about a TV or film character you wanted to be?
2: Mm, I really wanted to be. The aliens from Mars attacks, the one with the well, the ones with their brains out, not the Lisa Marie one. I thought that that was so interesting. Or I also really like um, the old grandma from Eraserhead that you only ever see once, just smoking in the kitchen. Everyone left her alone. She was minding her business. She didn't get sick like the baby. I feel like that was. I feel like that's a respectable woman.
1: Those are not answers I've ever heard before. I really like them. <laughs> <laughs> Good when was the last time
2: that you cried uh probably like last wednesday something like that
1: okay yeah. you are packing your nuclear bunker what do you take to watch
2: scott pilgrim versus the world paris texas naked um how, how much how much do i get do There's I only no get limit. you can say whatever you want i might go with a brighter summer day in a lonely place possession Um, I love Possession oh my god Possession is so good you know my my dad met
1: the author of the book on a boat and she asked him what she told him what she was writing and my dad goes why don't you call it Possession that's like my family (laughs) you're kidding no it's great isn't
2: it Uh, yeah I'm going to end it right there that (laughs) is a fantastic film Um, oh my god that's all I would tell anyone ever
1: what, Possession?
2: Yeah, that story.
1: Oh, That's incredible. A great story. Um, I love how quick you came up with those answers, though. Most people really have to, to think about it. And you were like, right away, I know all these things I
2: want. Yeah, I feel like those are some of my favorite films right now. So I had to.
1: Awesome. Um, who is your dream dinner companion, living or dead?
2: Hmm. Honestly, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, incredible. A- yeah. I, yeah, he's like incomparable. I interviewed him
1: once and he, I remember he gave the most thoughtful, genuine answers. You know, when someone really, really just levels with you um, and is super real. I just, yeah, I was wowed by him. His work is yep. insane. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah. And um, what about the toughest scene you've ever had to play?
2: Ooh. Honestly, one of them, I feel like I've had a couple, but I feel like I put a lot of pressure for the scream intro, because it's like the first 10 minutes of the film, and it's a lot of screaming and crying, and we had like a COVID breakdown midway through, so I filmed the first half a month, or at at the start of the shoot, and then I filmed the second half two months later, so I had to remember everything that I had. So that was just like a really weird, like unfortunate way to have to do a scene that's so important or when I was doing Wednesday I had to choreograph this scene or, or, yeah choreograph this dance for episode 104 she goes to the school dance and we decided like a week or two in advance that it was going to be a song by the cramps called Goo-goo-muck. and I was super excited but that episode we were shooting three and four at the same time I was doing cello I was doing fencing I was speaking German and then at some point like two days before we start shooting that job that scene I realized oh I've got a I've gotta choreograph that, so I just didn't sleep for two days. Did watched everything I could. I watched Susie and the Banshee videos, the Lena Lovich videos, videos of goth kids dancing in clubs in the eighties, um, Fosse films I pulled from, and then on the actual day I felt like I had a really bad headache. I felt like I had been just been hit by a car. So they're giving me medicine and we waited on a COVID result. But while we were waiting on the result, I, I was shooting and it was my first day with COVID. It was like I only had two hours to shoot that scene. And I remember asking if I could do it again because I said, I, I don't feel too good. I feel like I could do better. I could do better. But I couldn't. <laughs> and I feel like that's a really pivotal moment in the, in the series. And I'm, I'm really nervous about that one.
1: Amazing, though, that you put all that work into the prep. That's fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, what's the time that you were
2: starstruck? First time I met Oprah. I remember I think I was at the Wrinkle in Time premiere and the carpet cleared and I didn't know why. And when I was younger, Barack Obama was my first crush. I was obsessed with him. Wow. I watched the inauguration with Google eyes on my face, and um, <laughs> I started writing him letters. And I would write, um, Oprah letters because I saw that they were friends in magazines. So I was I was obsessed with this woman. Like please let me meet Barack Barry whatever. And yeah, when I was on that carpet, everything just cleared. And it was at like El Capitan Theater. And those venues are always packed. So I thought, what is going on? And it was Oprah. And then two hours later, after the film and the after party, someone stepped on my foot really hard. And she just went, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, honey. And it was Oprah. And I was like, (laughs) why are you apologizing? I was like, you can do it again. I was like, don't even worry about it. It was so funny. But I, I just didn't know what to say to her.
1: Uh, Did you ever get to meet Barack? Nope. I'm waiting. There's still time. Yeah, I'm waiting for a response on those letters. Well, maybe we'll send him this podcast and he'll figure it out. (laughs) Um, What is your proudest working achievement so far?
2: I feel like the fallout is a really important one to me. I haven't seen the film actually, but it really meant a lot to me. It was the first time that I was leading a film and it's about a very – timely matter and um mm. it's really sensitive topic and I I wanted to do it justice and you never really know with something like that because it's it's not necessarily your story to tell but one of the greatest actor director experiences that I've ever had Megan Park let me do whatever um and a lot of the film was improvised which was really really encouraging and interesting for me but I also met one of my greatest friends Maddie Ziegler and mm. uh, I remember us both going into it nervous and I feel like we came out uh, of the film on you know the other side m- much stronger and, and much closer and I, I just miss that character I think she's someone that I try to carry with me as much as possible I, I wish I was a little bit more like her at times mm. Wow. Well, what job do you think you'd be doing if this hadn't worked out right now I, I really want to become a composer yeah. so I'd love to go on cool and study musical composition and write music and you are become, yeah and become some sort of neo-composer I've, I'm still working on the cello I want to continue so that I could write cello pieces and then eventually piano um, that's like a really music is one of my favorite things on this planet so as as involved as I can be in it I would love to are you, as, so yeah, are you
1: actually, actually enrolled in school are you do you have a date that you're doing that or is that just like something that you have in the works
2: yeah, something that I have in the works. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing official yet, but I'm just trying to get as familiar with certain instruments as much as possible. Mm. Um, because I don't have the time right now. I'm traveling a lot for work, and yeah. it's hard to not fail the courses when you're not there and present. So um, as soon as I get the opportunity, though, the opening, I'm going for it.
1: Good for you. That's awesome. How exciting. Yeah, thank you. Um, who is your hero currently? That's a hard one, too.
2: Honestly, I feel like one of them is, is my good friend Enrique. He's been my stylist for like six years, but I've, I've never had a greater friend. And, mm-hmm. and the way that um, he's so loyal and so kind and, and always go, goes out of his way to, to um, look after me. I just feel like I, I have like uncomparable respect for that man and all that he does. And, and he's someone that I always want in my life. He's incredibly important to me. And I feel like he is underrated.
1: That's so sweet. I hope he listens to this and hears you say that.
2: (laughs) I hope so, yeah.
1: Um, What advice would you give your younger self? I mean, you're still obviously very young. I'm just thinking like, if there's something you've learned now that you wish you'd known starting out.
2: I wish that I hadn't felt pressure so early on to put myself in a a certain box. I felt like, I was kind of embarrassed or nervous to be myself because I there was a certain expectation. I was a Disney kid for a while. I thought I had to act a certain way and dress a certain way and speak a certain way and it was so unnatural to myself. I feel like a lot of the things that I did growing up to, to get to where I am and but well, I'm still very fortunate to be where I am. I, I wish that I had always be I had always been certain and and confident in my voice and my opinions and And I felt like I I had more of a voice on sets that I've been on, but I feel like recently I I had an experience where I had had to speak up and protect a character in a way that I never had to before. And um, I learned a lot from that job and I want to take that with me everywhere I go. Wow. Well, good for you
1: speaking up. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Who would play you
2: in the biopic of your life? Have you ever thought about that before? Vin Diesel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: that's brilliant Why? Vin Diesel
2: or Meryl Streep could do anything Vin Diesel because of the pacifier I had like two movies on DVD growing up it was the pacifier and over the hedge and over the hedge I can I could barely tell you the actors because it was animated but then two yeah Vin Diesel was just such a bad <laughs> <laughs> such a badass <laughs> I I don't want to pass and furious films but I just feel like he could really really do me justice
1: I love it that's a great choice Um, what is your all-time dream role?
2: Um, I don't know if it's entirely set in stone, but I have such admiration for the characters and concepts that Charlie Kaufman comes up with. I feel like he could write my dream role, character, script. Anything with Charlie Kaufman would be really, really exciting for me.
1: He's extremely clever and interesting, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Um, and last one, what is a time a character really got in your head and went home with you?
2: I feel like fallout to, to reference that one again. I just, it's funny cause I felt like I knew her. She, she was very different from me, but very similar at the same time. I, I got to be as awkward as possible and as Gen Z as possible. And I don't know, I feel like I know people like her, but I feel like she, she has a lot to learn. And, um, yeah, for she she goes through a very dramatic experience and I feel like things that she was able to to figure out or learn about herself based on that experience with I also got to learn things about myself and and perceive myself in a different light, which was really uh, special for me. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and really giving the best answers. This was so fun. I really appreciate Yeah, thank it. You so much.
2: Yeah, th- it's nice to have actually Interesting new questions. (laughs) Like nobody ever asked me stuff like that. That was so cool for me. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for being game to do it. And um I hope the rest of your shoot goes really, really well.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: Thank you again, Jenna Ortega. Don't forget to check out the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and read our awards line magazine at deadline.com.
0: Plus.